Welcome. Good morning and welcome to our service this morning. Whether you're in person or online, we're glad that you're a part. Please stand with me as we begin this morning.
Today is a special day for our West Irwin Church of Christ family. If you're visiting with us, again, we welcome you and appreciate your being a part. If you're watching online, we welcome you uh, as well. Uh, Many of our members each week, it seems, we have a few more that are coming back for the first time since the lockdown, so we welcome you as well and are so thankful to see your smiling face and appreciate so much all of those that continue to be faithful in attendance and in giving and in participating with us as we watch online. We appreciate all so very much and the way God has blessed us and continues to bless us. Uh, Along that lines, one of our families that have been visiting with us for the past several weeks has asked to be considered members here and placing their membership with us. They are coming home. This is Dale and Carolyn Blackstone and Kaisley, my beautiful Kaisley Murphy. So wherever y'all are, if you don't mind standing for a moment, letting everyone know where you are. I'm a big fan of Kaisley. I just have to tell you right off the bat. They make this statement, coming to West Irwin feels like coming home. We are excited at the facilities and atmosphere here for Kaisley to grow in Christ and have Christian friends and relationships. We look forward to doing our part. What a great, great statement. Welcome. We're so glad that you're back home. Uh, We couldn't be more excited. Today, you'll also notice in your bulletin that we are announcing additional deacons, and we are very grateful to God for the way he continues to provide uh, workers for the kingdom, as we have sung and will continue to sing this morning, to lead us as we are servants before the Lord, to lead us as we fulfill that desire to be a worker for the Lord. Um, I'm going to introduce them in just a moment, but first I want to share a few scripture passages with you. Uh, First of all, from Philippians 1, verses 1 through 6, uh, perhaps written around 25 years or so after the church began. And yet already you see this this very uh, strong distinction of how the structure of the church is uh, with elders or overseers or bishops, shepherds, and deacons. Philippians 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The next passage is from 1 Timothy 3, which actually speaks about the kind of character and integrity and genuine Christian faith that our leaders should have, elders and deacons. And so I'll begin reading in 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect." If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders 
so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. And then the Holy Spirit guides Paul to speak about deacons, and because it begins with the words, in the same way, I wanted to share that first part as well. 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives, or the women, are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says this, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And then finally, a passage from Acts chapter 6. This situation arises in a very young church. The church was only perhaps two or three years old when the first big conflict happens. People were being left out. They weren't being ministered to. The service of the church was incomplete And so the word deacon isn't used in this passage, but it is very similar to the kind of work and tasks that will be appointed to the men that we're appointing today and has been appointed to the ones that have served already. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic or Greek background Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. We look forward to God doing the same thing here as we appoint these men to serve as deacons and how very proud we are of them and of their families. And so what I'd like to do before one of our shepherds, David Hammond, comes up and leads them in an elder's charge to these deacons and leads us all in prayer. Um, I want to introduce these deacons to you. And so as I call your name, I'd ask for you and your wife. And if your kids are on the pew with you, have them stand as well. And I'll share um, uh, the first uh, list are the new deacons and what their roles will be. And then the next list will be the current deacons. And you also, again, have more information about them uh, in your bulletin today. Colby and Anna Chandler. Colby will be working primarily with our children's ministry. Kevin and Chris Keel. 
Kevin will be working in our benevolence ministry. Eric and Stacy Mosley. Eric will be helping us with our advertising or marketing and also our IT needs. John and Terry Shaw. John has been working the sound booth and he'll continue to do that and will be assisting us in IT and in other areas such as marketing and advertising as well. Garrett and Jill Smith. Garrett will be working with us as a part of our safety team and will be helping out with security issues um, as well. And so now I thought this would be a good time for us to read the names of the current deacons and just ask you to stand uh, with your family, if you will, as I call your name, and then you can take your seat as well. Cody and Kayla Abels. Gary and Julie Abels. Davy and Sonia Carter. Chad and Amber Chauncey. Will and Stephanie Christian. Chris and Miranda Condor. Steve and Diane Denman. New grandparents again, by the way. Rick and Karen Fidel. Terry and Kim Frick. Matt and Rhonda Hawes. John and Melanie Murray. And David will share a prayer need for them at the Shepherd's Prayer time. Jonathan and Laurie Stone. And Randy and Stacy Turner. We love and appreciate all of you for the service and the leadership that you provide our church. David. On behalf of the elders, we want to thank you, each and every deacon, uh, whether you're former deacons, deacons now, or deacons as of now. So, man, you've done a wonderful work, and we're so thankful for the work that you do here at West Irwin and in the community and at home. Uh, through much deliberation, discussion, and scripture and prayer, uh, we spoke to each individual family uh, of the five that were installed today and uh, have decided and charged you with carrying on the leadership of a deacon here at West Irwin. It's a wonderful work. It's a wonderful and somewhat hard task at times. Uh, but we know you're capable, confident, and certainly deserving of this title. Uh, and it is a title, but at the same time, it's it's a work that we all do. Uh, but y'all are going to head up. Uh, whatever area you want to serve in, ask for volunteers, get as much help as you need. Come to the elders for advice when needed, and, and we know that God will bless you and your family, and family is a big part of uh, being a deacon or just a family. So a uh, couple of updates I did want to mention. Uh, Donnie Carnarvon came to me this morning. He has a friend by the name of Paul Hendrickson who works with him at Bible Bowl who has some uh, tumors. They're not quite sure uh, what's going on with that at this time. Uh, of course, John Murray is in the hospital. He had trouble breathing Friday. and will have a heart cath tomorrow. And uh, Debbie Jones had some tests last week, and they're expecting results the early part of this week. So, uh, I will be in room 112 after the service this morning. If you have a need and you 
you don't want to come forward, you just want to pray or talk to me or discuss something with me, that's fine. Uh, like I said, immediately after service, I'll be in room 112. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we lift up these words uh, for your church here at West Irwin, let us come before you with humility and a willingness to obey. Let us put others first and serve our brothers and sisters in Christ as well as the lost. May we seek you first, putting aside our own interests and desires. May we come before you this morning, Lord, like we should, and help us to to love you, to uplift others, and to criticize less. Protect us from harm and evil in this world. We pray for our new deacons, and may they strive diligently to perform the works of this church. For Eric Mosley, Kevin Keel, Garrett Smith, John Shaw, and Cody Chandler. Bless and strengthen the families of all the deacons, and may their work here be from the heart, and help your church to grow in spirit and in truth in an orderly fashion. Please be with our elders, ministers, staff, and each family here today. Uh, we pray for our new youth minister search and his family and prepare him for the work that will be done here. You have blessed this church with so many talented believers, and we know that did not happen by chance, that you brought us here together to accomplish great things. You know that there are many that are here today who are struggling with everyday life, that Satan is working on us mentally, physically, and spiritually. We know that through you all things are possible, and we ask for healing and comfort for John Murray, Abby Lindsay, Sharon Beaver, Debbie Jones and her test results, and Paul Hendrickson's and his uh, uncertainty about his tumors. We pray for the upcoming surgeries for Sharon Ketchum and Ralph Henderson. We're grateful for the birth of Adam David Ramirez and Harmony Baker, please give them good health and a safe Christian environment to grow. Thank you for all that you do for us and all the good you have created in this world for us to enjoy, for us to enjoy, Lord. And may we all always give you the praise and honor in this life. Please be with this country as there is much confusion and chaos in this present age. We pray for our upcoming elections and may the decisions made will be beneficial to the church. We pray that the riots will cease and that we can live as Christians as Christians and a Christian nation, serving and loving one another. We pray that you will calm our fears during this pandemic and that we will soon have a cure for this outbreak. We pray for the lost and for those who have left the church, Lord. May we have an influence in making them believers that you exist, that your son came to this earth and lived as a perfect man and died on the cross as a savior for our sins and that we can have a home in heaven if we're found faithful. And so, so for that, Lord, we're certainly grateful for your son and for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8, we learn this uh, about Jesus. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. We find early in his earthly ministry how he did begin to suffer greatly. Uh, He was ridiculed, he was mocked. Uh, The authorities tried to question him on many occasions to trick him, to find fault with him. And then uh, ultimately we see his dying upon the cross, his crucifixion, the scourgings, the mockings, the beatings, the hurt. And then I'm reminded of Jesus in the garden as he prayed to his father, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. I think it's important for us to understand and remember that Jesus was obedient to the Father's will. And just as Jesus was obedient to the Father, we too are called to be obedient as well. And that is one reason we meet each Lord's Day and surround this table to remember the Lord's death until he comes again. It's not the emblems necessarily, it's the obedience. It's not the bread, it's not the wine, although they represent to us that sacrifice. But it's the Father's will. It's doing the Father's will. Being obedient to his command. And so in 1 Corinthians, we learn that the early church was instructed upon the first day of the week, to take bread and to break it, and to take the fruit of the vine and drink it, to remember the crucified Christ. And by doing so, we fulfill the Father's will. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise, for it was grace that bought my liberty I do not know just why he came to love me so. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and for your love, for your mercy. It's hard, Father, for us to fathom how you could love the world that hated you so much by sending your only begotten Son, Father, to be the atoning sacrifice that would bring us back together in relationship with you. And yet, Father, because he was obedient even to the point of death, we have that grace that covers a multitude of sin. And so we come before you today, Father, to take this bread and to take this cup to remember that sacrifice for our sins. And it's in obedience to your word, Father, that we do this very thing. And so now, Father, we ask you would bless this bread.
that represents the broken body of your Son and our Savior. May we partake in a manner, Father, that will be pleasing to you. In the name of Christ we pray. Father, now for the, for the blood that flowed from Jesus' side, his hands and his feet, we take this fruit of the vine, which so fittingly represents uh, that very thing. Our suffering Savior upon a cruel cross. A love, Father, that astounds us that we could never repay. Do we ask your blessings upon this cup that it might uh, be pleasing to you. In the name of Christ we pray. Another thing we do in our worship in accordance to the will of God is to give back to him that with which he has blessed us with. And so it is at this time that we are given the opportunity to uh, return to him uh, part of those blessings. There is a uh, container in the foyer if you've not yet uh, placed uh, money in it, you can do so as you leave today if you're so willing to do so. If you're uh, live streaming with us and not with us here in uh, body, you can either mail your offering or you can uh, uh, do it online. There are many, many different uh, avenues in which you can return to the Lord. Uh, let's pray and thank him for our blessings. Father, we are a blessed people. We're a blessed nation. And we're so grateful, Father, for that. And a part of our worship to you, Father, is returning a portion of those blessings to you for uh, the furthering of the church, the spreading of the gospel. And so as we give to you today, Father, we pray that uh, those funds will be used in that very way. That lost souls will come to know you, that... that uh, they will be baptized into Christ. They will be added to the body, Father, and live faithful lives. We thank you so much, Father, for our blessings. Help us not to take them for granted, but to realize that all things come from you. It's in the name of Christ we pray. at this time as we stand before Bill's lesson. Please stand with me.
What a great day it is today. A great moment in this church's service, in this church's present, and in this church's future. What a blessing. I believe that leadership in the church is servant leadership. As we continue this series of what I believe and why, today is an ideal time as we have called five additional men to serve as deacons in this congregation to lead our ministry. What a great time to be reminded that we believe that leadership in the church is servant leadership. In fact, the word deacon is a transliteration of the word that means servant. Sometimes it's translated servant, sometimes it's translated minister. Someone at some point decided it would be a great idea to create a new word straight from the original language, and that term deacon was born. And it is such a wonderful blessing to serve with such great leaders who are servant leaders in this church family. The passages we looked at from Philippians 1 and 1 Timothy 3 and Acts 6 remind us of this great work and how integral it is to the work and ministry and service of the church. We are blessed with such great leaders. We are blessed with six wonderful shepherds and their wives who give constantly, day after day, to serve and to lead and to shepherd and to help this church. We're blessed, I'm personally blessed, to work with such a great staff of co-ministers and other staff that provide the nuts and bolts and the daily work that it takes to not just maintain this church life, but to help it to thrive and to grow. Even in 2020, (laughs) to serve the Lord and to serve others in every way that we possibly can. And what a great blessing now to see these men added to our list of deacons. Now 18 families, men who have answered that call with such wonderful servant, supportive wives and children. It's just such a great blessing to be a part of this church at this moment, at this time. I believe that leadership in the church is servant leadership. And so as we call these men today into this special service of the church, we remind ourselves that for each of us, one of our primary functions is to serve. We are called to serve, just like these men that we've announced today are called to serve in a little bit different uh, way because we look to them to provide us leadership in our various ministries as we serve, being called by the Holy Spirit, by the elders and by this church family to lead us as we do the Lord's work here in this place and throughout the world. And it is answering the call to serve. Not just the elders, not just the deacons, not just ministers, but we are all called to be servants. One of our primary functions is to serve. And so this morning as we celebrate and thank God for the way he has provided for us and for the work that he has for us to do, As we seek his blessing and his guidance, we remind ourselves today that we are all called to serve. 
that Jesus has called us, that scripture has called us to be servants. And so a few reminders and some scriptures that you're very familiar with, perhaps we'll turn to one or two. First of all, the ones who are great are the ones who serve. That's not how the world sees it. The world sees it that the ones who are great are the ones who have servants. The ones who are great are the ones who are served by others. Jesus turns that around and says, not so with you. The ones who are great are actually the ones who serve. That great passage in Matthew chapter 20, where the disciples come to Jesus with their mother and they say, we want to be at your right and at your left. We want the primo spots when you come in your kingdom. And all the other disciples are mad, and I think it's because they, they got to him first. <laughs> but Jesus sits them down and he says, look, that's, that's how the world does it. That's not how we do it. That's not how I do it. That's not how you're to do it. Instead, he says, the greatest among you will be the least. The most important among you will be the ones who serve. Because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And so just as Davy led us, one of our deacons, as we stood around this table and reminded each other of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and and reminded each other of the body of Christ that is the church today. We recognize that this is not just a good thing. It's not just a, a blessing to serve. Paul quoting Jesus saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's not the only reasons why we do this. We do this because it's commanded by God. God has actually commanded us to serve. The ones who are great are the ones who serve. In one instance in John 13, as he gave us that commandment, he did it in a way with words and in a way with action when he washed the disciples' feet in John 13. And then when he was through with that task, that servant task, that the lowest in the room typically would do. He looked at them and he looked at us and he tells us, you call me Lord and Master and you are exactly right because that's what I am. And now that I, your Lord and Master, have been willing to serve in this way, I want you to serve. Not me, he says, that's what I would expect him to say. I want you to serve one another in the same way. The ones who are great are the ones who serve. Secondly, today, the ones who love are the ones who serve. We will turn to a couple of passages in 1 John chapters 3 and 4, perhaps a little less familiar to us. 1 John chapter 3, these verses in verses 16 through 18, I find it interesting that John 3.16 is such an important and heartfelt, wonderful synopsis of the gospel. And in the same way, 1 John 3 verse 16 is as well. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? 
Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Just like Jesus washed their feet, he calls on us to be people of action, to be people who see a need and try to fill it. People who are willing to have an active love because biblical love is an active love. It's a love that does stuff to help. In the very next chapter, in 1 John chapter 4, John the Apostle, whom Jesus loved, speaks about love and what it means and again reminds us that it's not just some feeling. That's how the world views love, so that if you don't feel love, then you don't have to act with love, and that's far from the biblical view. The biblical view says you have love because God loved you, and so you act that way. And in part of that passage in 1 John 4, reading verses 9 through 11, this is how God showed his love among us, 1 John 4, 9. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Again, verse 11, just like he does in in John 13, that... As he served us, we are to serve each other, not him. John does the same thing with love. In 1 John 4, 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Our love is a reflection of the love of God. It's not a reflection of how we feel. It's a reflection of how God has treated us. How can we not treat others with love? When we, in such undeserving condition, have been loved so desperately by the creator of the universe. The ones who love are the ones who serve. Jesus tells that great story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 in response to that question that someone asks after hearing the greatest and the second greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God, and the second to love your neighbor as yourself. And then someone says, well, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? And that's when Jesus tells that great story that illustrates what we've read already that doesn't answer his question at all other than to say, everyone. You are to love and serve everyone. And to help when you see a need and can help. Who did the loving thing? After telling the story, Jesus asked the question. And the answer is the one who showed mercy. Ones who love are the ones who serve. Paul says some of the same things in Romans 13, reflecting also on that second great commandment of Jesus, to love your neighbor as yourself. The ones who are great are the ones who serve. The ones who love are the ones who serve. And finally today, the church is filled with ones who serve. This church is, and I praise God for you, What a great blessing it is to work with a church of servants, of people who help, of people who see needs and try to help, try to fill them. The church is filled with ones who serve. This church is filled 
with ones who serve. And we all must hear that call today. As we see these wonderful families that have been called into servant leadership here in this church family. We are all called to serve. The passages that you see on your outline and on the screen are all passages that say much the same thing. The church is one body with many members, many different gifts, many different functions, and yet a great sense of love and unity with one another. One body, many members. 1 Corinthians 12 says, we act based on the gifts that we have. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, And in Romans chapter 12, and Peter says the same in 1 Peter 4, calling out different roles that people have. Nobody has all of them. Everyone doesn't have the same, but we all have a place. We all have a role, and the church is incomplete unless you do your part. The church cannot function as God has called the church body to function if there are parts of that body that are holding out and holding back. God calls us to be people who serve. The church is filled with ones who serve. Why? Because the community around us, the world around us, needs us to serve. They need our help. And they need it in all kinds of different various ways. And that's why the church is such a diverse group. That's why the church is filled with people who are so different. Who have different interests, different passions, different gifts, different roles, just as God intended, Scripture says. Do you want to know who are the ones that are great? They're the ones who serve. Do you want to know who it is in the church, the ones who love? It's the ones who serve. The church is filled with that kind of people, with ones who serve. I believe that if we want to be like Jesus, we will be ones who serve. If we want to be like Jesus, this is how we'll live our lives, not for ourselves, not in a selfish way, not focused on what we want or our desires or our preferences, but focused on the needs and the preferences and the desires of others. And then acting in a way to answer that call, to fill that need, to offer that help, because that's how Jesus treated us. He saw us in need, just as the song that Davey quoted during our communion time says. He looked past our faults and saw our needs, and now we are called to do the exact same thing with each other to look past the faults that Satan uses to try to divide us and to see the needs and to act in love and to try to help and to be a people who serve. I believe that if we want to be like Jesus, we will be ones who serve. We can help you do that today. Come as we stand and sing our song together.
Father, as we come to the close of this service, Father, we, we're in awe that the creator of this universe calls us your children. Father, we pray that we will be a people that, uh, that loves each other and serves each other. And Father, we, we thank you for all the blessings that you've given us and you've blessed us immeasurably more than we can even imagine. But Father, we're most thankful for the blessing of forgiveness. And Father, we pray that as we leave here today that we will take that blessing out to the world and that we will share it with uh, everybody that we know. Father, we pray that you will... <clears throat> Father, we pray that you will... That you will uh, guide our steps to, to walk in your light. Father, we pray that you will... Um, guard our hearts from Satan's snares, and Father, that you will direct our thoughts to be on things above. These things we pray in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.